what's going on everybody welcome to the show another friday another episode of why are we bullish uh got a good group of friends joining in for the show this week um a uh, a return guest and a couple brand newbies to the friday show so very excited to have them all we'll dive into that momentarily now of course this is live anything can happen so i defer to my friend bill here we'll do it live okay We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. If you have not already, please do hit that like button. It's just below the screen there. Hit it now. It really does help. Please those algorithmic gods. Uh, you can also uh, like and share, and that helps a ton. And subscribe, of course. Uh, anyways, let's get this thing rolling. I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your daily session. Huddle the Bitcoin. Before we bring in our guests, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. This is timechaincalendar.com. Uh, currently, we are sitting at $27,017 per coin. A single US dollar will snag you 3,701 sats in terms of fees. Uh, not too bad, actually. Four sats per byte, priority, or any time. And mempool is purging anything below about 1.37 sats per V-byte. In terms of Bitcoin mined, 19.51 million of them, which is 92.92% of the entire supply. Shout out to sponsors of the show, hodlhodl.com. If you're stacking sats and you have some priorities in mind, like peer-to-peer -peer trading, instant self-custody, no KYC, it's the place to be. You can sign up with just an email address. Once you're in, choose a currency payment method and an amount, and you can start viewing offers immediately stack in non-KYC sats. They also have a peer-to-peer -peer lending platform where nothing is ever rehypothecated. Check them out, links down below. Now, of course, when you do stack some sats, you're gonna want some of the best hardware to secure it. I love CoinKite. My cold card Mark IV is my go-to hardware of choice. I've got all their other, other goodies as well. Tap signers, sats cards, block clocks, open dimes. And I just made my reservation for, uh, well, I've had it for a while, Cold Card Q1, dropping soon, uh, as well as the SAS link. That's new to me. Um, we'll see what it's like when it gets here. Uh, I'll be doing videos, of course. So check them out if you want to reserve those or anything else I mentioned. Uh, Coinkite.com. Use code BTC Sessions, 5% off in store. Uh, of course, backups are important. One of the most robust and premium options on the market is CDOR. They've got a disk and capsule design. This thing is battle tested to secure your seed phrase from the elements, fire, water, corrosion, all of that. Um, and it's just really, really nice. Uh, so you can check them out, cdor.io. There are links down below, depending on what is the cheapest shipping option for you all in the show notes. These guys are awesome. Uh, last couple, Nunchuck, of course, for your multi-sig needs. Uh, they have inheritance planning and all of it baked into their mobile wallet. Basically, you can set it up in mobile with uh, tap signers, cold cards, and a ton of other hardware options. Once it's set up, you're sure that your sats will get to your next of kin if anything should happen to you. And all of it, is non-KYC. You don't have to give up your personal information. And finally, shout out to Start9, your plug and play sovereign computing solution. These guys have their devices that you can plug in and run your whole Bitcoin stack 
Core, Lightning, Mempool. Uh, you can also host your private data, files, passwords, photos, Nostra Relays and clients, all of that stuff. They've got everything from entry level up to what I'm running, which is a Start9 server pure. So check them out, start9.com. Anyways, guys, enough of my rambling. Let's get in our guests and get bullish. So welcome to the show. Back to the show, Julian. And first time to the show, Zach and uh, Aladdin from BTC Trading Cards. Very excited <laughs> to have you all. Thank you so much for being here. And I think let's start... Oh, and actually, we got to give a shout out to, of course, the most important guests of the show, the chat. So I'm going to bring that up on the sides of us. All the messages from here on in, for better or worse, will be live streamed for the world to read. So uh, <laughs> we'll be seeing you in the chat, everybody. Uh, we can get those messages rolling now. Anyways, let's do a round of intros. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, so I'll toss it to uh, Julian, a.k.a. Kinetic Finance. Take it away, man. Let people know. What up? Thanks so much, Ben, for having me on again. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Julian. Also go by Kinetic Finance. Uh, I make videos. I'm always messing around with all sorts of different videos, trying to orange pill people in 60 seconds, doing documentaries all over the world about Bitcoin adoption, sometimes live streaming, anything and everything I can do to uh, try and orange, orange pill people in new ways and also learn some cool stuff on the way. Awesome. Well, dude, I'm glad to have you back and congrats on uh, you recently had uh, a video that that blew up uh, that was kind of posted all over the place. And uh, it's, you know, I, in my opinion, long time coven because of the quality of your uh, of, of your content that you put out. So uh, hats off to you for that one. Thanks, man. Just trying to uh, rustle, rustle some feathers as usual. Right? Awesome. What we got to do. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, let's do a uh, drop down to Aladdin. Dude, uh, can you give yourself a little intro for everybody, for those unfamiliar? Yeah, um, Aladdin, Bitcoin trading cards. I, I founded the company, been working on it about five years, and we launched almost a year ago. Got a couple days away from our year launch, and we're trying to orange pill the world in as fun and creative a way as possible. And uh, yeah, we've just got started, so we've got a lot planned. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's uh, is that a Genesis pack from Pacific? Yes. Looks beautiful. I got I got to do a quick show and tell here. Hold on a sec. <laughs> so uh, so I have to tell a story. Um, I was at uh, Bitcoin Miami earlier this year. And uh, first of all, uh, you put me on a card, which like I'm so stoked about. Um, so because I, I, yeah, there we go. Nice, <laughs> I love it. I call it. So I collected Marvel cards as a kid, and um, and uh, you know, so this is right up my alley. Uh, but anyways, at uh, in in Miami, um, uh, Sean Harris, he he pulled my my foil card um, with all the reflective stuff. Nice. <laughs> nice. Everybody's got them. Uh, and so Sean Harris pulled my foil card. Um, and then, um, I was, I was very sad to find that, uh, later on in the evening, somebody one swiped a credit card out of my pocket, but more importantly two swiped my foil card out of my pocket along with it and probably discarded it shortly thereafter because they they probably didn't care about the card they just wanted the credit card but i was very upset about it so i uh, i i jumped in the telegram chat for for trading cards and i was like hey does anybody have a foil card i'll trade you for something or whatever um 
And uh, one dude was kind enough, and I don't want to like dox who it is or anything, but one dude was kind enough to be like, yo, I've, I've got your foil card. Actually, two, two, um, two, two guys were like, I've got your foil card. Um, and one of the foil cards I received, which is, which is here, and it's all fancy and cool, and I put it in a little thing because I just think it's the best. But this is uh, number one out of 500. So I, it was, wow. it, yeah. So I've got my one of 500 foil card that's just going to sit up here on my shelf forever and ever. Uh, Love and it. I, you got your bookend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was super cool. Uh, and again, hats off to, to all the whole uh, pack stacker community. Um, everybody's awesome. So thank you guys. Uh, <laughs> but with that, uh, of course, I want to toss it down to Zach. Dude, um, I, I kind of we we've kind of crossed paths on on Twitter and everything, and uh, I thought you'd be a great addition to the show. And so, yeah, can you give yourself a little intro? Yeah, for starters, thanks for having me on the show, Ben. Um, big fan of your content. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Zach. Uh, I'm an economics major uh, at the University of Victoria in Canada. I'm about to complete my my bachelor's of economics. Um, I also run the the Bitcoin Club there, uh, where we we where we're working on bringing Bitcoin awareness to campus and the and the local community. Um, and I also uh, help steer education and content at Thea Bitcoin, who provide a, a streamlined multi sig setup, uh, self custody for your Bitcoin, all through a simplified app. That's awesome, man. And I met um, I met Smeet down in uh, in LA just uh, you know at the B <laughs> last weekend. Uh, so I'm chatting with him and, uh, and, um, yeah, kind of finding up what's uh, going on with, uh, Thea, which is awesome. So yeah, man, good to have you. Um, Thanks for having me. no worries, no worries. So, uh, we're going to dive into the show now. Um, first of all, anybody watching that may be unfamiliar. This is why are we bullish? Really simple premise to the show. Each one of us comes with a reason for being bullish in and around Bitcoin, and it can be anything. Um, it can be a current event. It could be a personal um, experience. It could be an app, uh, a, a book, a, a device, really any sort of new development. It's, it's really up to whatever your little heart desires on the show. And so the flow of the show is pretty simple. Somebody's going to drop a reason why they are bullish. This is their chance to rant and basically lay out their case. Number two, altogether, we're going to riff on that reason, questions, comments, whatever it may be, whatever rabbit holes we want to go down. And then number three, we're going to rotate to the next person until we've all had a turn. So reason, riff, rotate, simple. Um, so first off, I'm going to get us started here with my reason for, for being bullish. And my, my reason for being bullish this week um, it kind of stems from uh, right now SBF is on trial and, uh, and, and there's some, some interesting little tidbits of information uh, uh, coming out in and around the trial. Um, in particular, they had uh, Carolyn, his uh, we'll say partner in crime uh, up there on the stand. And there's some, some uh, pretty wild stuff that was coming out of her mouth, but one of the, one of the interesting um, pieces that I honed in on was was when she was saying that he basically advised her to um, number one, they were selling customer funds 
um, to, to keep themselves afloat and to support FTX token and do all these crazy things. But, um, basically SBF told her like, Hey, uh, you gotta, <laughs> if, if it's above 20 K, if Bitcoin's above 20 K keep selling. And th this kind of got a, it got spun a little bit as they were purposely suppressing the price, but it sounded more along the lines of like, they were just saving their own asses to like prop up the price of FTX and all of that. Um, uh, or FTT rather the, the token. Uh, but nonetheless, the effect was the same. They were basically selling customer funds in order to save their own asses, which was suppressing the price. Um, and furthermore, during the, the, the course of, of the life of FTX, whenever somebody actually, when there was actual consumer demand for Bitcoin and people would give them fiat or altcoins or whatever it may be, and would say, I would like to purchase Bitcoin and they left it custodially. Well, FTX just would not purchase the Bitcoin. Like it just wasn't there. It was like, thanks for the dollars. We're going to write this little number into your account here. And then it would just, no purchase was made. So, so the demand was not um, actually reflected properly in the price of Bitcoin because the demand was not uh, actually causing buys to happen. Um, so <laughs> this was obviously to the detriment to, uh, of, of everyone else, anybody who was holding Bitcoin. Um, it also screwed a lot of miners. Um, Bob Burnett, Barefoot Mining, uh, was tweeting about how pissed he was about this because it literally, you know, it put people, other people out of business um, because of them basically not being being bad actors and and not actually um executing buys that that their customers were demanding for not holding the assets and basically just creating paper bitcoin um they're basically papering over their own malfeasance and mismanagement so a couple things here number one it shows that d the demand for bitcoin in the bull run of 2021 was much stronger than than the price indicated. Um, and had FTX not been doing what it was doing, there's a good chance it, it could have been significantly higher. Um, and the other thing about it is that it kind of shows that you can't fight the reality in Bitcoin and the demand for Bitcoin for long um, like you can in fiat land, like in fiat land, you can just paper over, paper over everything. And if you screw up bad enough, then the government comes in and they'll just, you know, <laughs> we'll just print off a few trill and, and make it all kosher for a period of time. Um, and so historically we've kind of seen this play out in Bitcoin before, um, kind of this fuck around and find out um cycle that happens you know we saw it with um you know mount gox they tried to lie about you know missing bitcoin and everything and tried to just maintain a fractional reserve while you know that didn't go so well we saw the same with quadriga in canada and another smaller exchange called einstein um we saw blockfi we of course saw ftx 
We're now seeing, I think I just saw rumblings on on Twitter of uh, Genesis shutting down withdrawals or there's something funky is going on with Genesis currently. Who knows what? But <laughs> nonetheless, it's been a series of larger catastrophes because people stubbornly refuse to change their fiat behaviors. They think that they can get away with the same kind of crap in Bitcoin that you can in in fiat land. However, Bitcoin is incredibly efficient at destroying immoral and dishonest entities uh, much quicker than it would be in with legacy finance. So I guess I'm bullish in a roundabout way because the speed of fuck around and find out in Bitcoin is so much more efficient. And even with these large entities coming in and, you know, the fidelities and the black rocks of the world, you've got this backstop, this reality backstop that, you know, they're, they're bigger. They might be able to paper over things longer, but I think at the end of the day, nobody escapes the fuck around and find out equation of Bitcoin in the long run. And I can't wait to see what that does to legacy finance and central banking. So that's why I'm bullish. So I'm going to, I guess, throw that out to you guys and get, you know, your thoughts in and around this. Whoever wants to jump in first, uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say. I'd love to, to tap in here real quick. Um, I guess this sort of kind of all just points to the, what Bitcoiners were kind of saying all along, right? You know? Uh, we had the situation where we were talking about FTX um, suppressing the price at the top and then also making it go lower in the lows. So I think, uh, you know, like would sub 20K be possible without this? What 100K would have been possible? Um, but yeah, I, I do love the the idea of how the whole process of fuck around, find out kind of just happens much quicker in Bitcoin. And I think that's because you have you have a digital bearer asset that just moves so much quicker than than anything we've seen before. So people who are messing around kind of, uh, they bite the dust much quicker. Yeah. You love to see it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, I mean, I, I love that and I hate it about the Bitcoin space because everything, everyone always goes out with a bang. It seems like there's no subtle exit stage left, uh, moments for people in this space. They either make it or they go down in quite a, a beautiful plum. But, you know, it's just, it just, it's, it, it tells you what the fiat world is all about, which is not only manipulation of, of price signals, but almost manipulation of time itself, right? Like the time that these companies can last, the time that zombies, the time that insolvency, things that would, would fall apart if there was any, you know, tiny level of transparency, they go on for so much longer than they naturally should because you have a ruler that is just broken, which is fiat money. And it's like, you know, right now, I don't want to get like too into this stuff, but, you know, we're in the middle of now two wars, seemingly, that seemingly could go on forever. And it's just you can't do that when you have provable scarcity in money, the same way that you cannot run Ponzi's when you have provable scarcity in money. They they can run for a day or two or a couple of weeks, a couple of months, but not for years and years on end, not for decades um, that is something only fiat money enables. So yeah, Bitcoin just brings sunlight to everything a lot quicker, and kind of kind of kind of have to embrace that, you know. Love it, Aladdin. What, 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 how are you feeling in around some of the stuff with you know, finally seeing SBF sitting up there, 
in front of a jury of his peers, uh, you know, sunlight shining upon him. Uh, <laughs> do, do you have uh, it's emotions? Like the sunlight exposes the clown face. So it's like the, one of my favorite um, Twitter accounts is Clown World. And like until we had Twitter or not Twitter, until we had Bitcoin, we didn't really have anything outside of like the fiat world that we could really get behind. And now that we have that, it's like all of the the really strong minded, like value oriented people are starting to flow towards Bitcoin. And it really helps expose the amount of clown world. Like you watch FTX, uh, Sam Bankman, you watch Caroline. I mean, could you get any dumber? Sorry, but it's it, it just exposes like how stupid these people are. And then why am I bullish on your point? Like, dude, if that's our competition, like get ready. <laughs> We're going to bring it because th that is not competition. That's that's easy knockoff right there. So yeah, good point, Ben. I, I think that's a, a major reason to be bullish right there. Yeah, it's um, I, th I think everybody's trying to trying to play by the old rules because because you know in in traditional finance the you know that's the kind of behavior that that gets you rich uh, over time right that that mentality um that that mentality of siphoning wealth from others and then and then gambling with it is is what built um you know a, a lot of large entities out there and that and that's kind of like the the backbone of how our current um economy functions is is siphoning wealth from others and and um you know speculating or allowing people to speculate and encouraging people to speculate and then just like you know taking in a a, a cut of every transaction that happens in the process of that and um i'm not so sure that's going to be uh, a recipe for wealth as we move, you know, as we jump forward by a decade or two decades, you know, it won't be as, as consistent of returns. And there's the, the, the major thing there is there's a real, there's actually tangible risk now because in Bitcoin, there is no lender of last resort. Um, it's you implode. And, uh, you know, I think the world needs more of that because, when there's no risk, it it incentivizes just absolute degenerate behavior. And, uh, you know, it'll be good for the world to be rid of a good chunk of that. So anyways, uh, gents, I'm not going to take too much time on my topic here because I want to hear what you guys have to say. So I, I'm glad that we got that one uh, through quickly and I want to uh, do a rotation here first up I'll say everybody that's in the chat of course keep those messages coming and uh, and smash that like button just to the bottom of the screen there that helps a ton uh, but we are going to do a rotation and uh, Julian I'm going to toss it to you first and I'll cue you up with uh, the question of the evening as usual why are you bullish bullish all right, I um, I'm gonna copy you. Uh, I am bullish on taking risks, but not quite the same way. Not, you know, messing around with customer funds or or building Ponzi's or yield and all that stuff, but taking risk on a cultural and a creative level when it comes to talking about Bitcoin. So I had a moment. I had my little 15 minutes of fame uh, last week 
after uh, a solid year, year and a half of, of making like 60 second videos, half of them being like trying to orange pill people on 60 seconds, the other half just talking about economics. I post one and then all of a sudden it just blows up on Instagram. I got like 4 million views and it was the whole video is just about uh, me railing against like, you know, who the left blames and who the right blames and how really when we're all having our money stolen through inflation, that's something that maybe we could unify around. And um, it's been a year of taking risks to try and figure out what connects with people. Like I have taken an immense amount of like creative risks and gone outside of my comfort zone as a presenter, as somebody who covers certain topics, delving into things, uh, trying to talk about things I don't really understand too well. And I'm just trying to learn, but doing that out in the open. And I came about success of that. And, and now I feel like I have a bit more of like a track on how to move forward with the type of stuff I'm talking about. But it's not just about me. I had the chance to go down to Pacific Bitcoin last week, met most of you guys down there. Zach, you'll have to you'll have to come next year. Um, but the whole conference, I was I was surrounded, you know, I was with the uh, Bitcoin trading guys. I got to know Aladdin really well down there. Um, but the the really the most interesting stuff that happened down there was meeting all the different entrepreneurs building stuff in Bitcoin that were not you know, wallets or exchanges, but all the peripheral cultural products that are massive, massive risks, because you really can't quite figure out how many Bitcoiners out there will want to part with their fiat or their Bitcoin to buy a trading card or a piece of a piece of merchandise or an energy drink. But entrepreneurs are going out on a limb and they're feeling the waters and they're feeling that there is a distinct Bitcoin culture forming. And Bitcoiners really like to you know, show off the things that they have, show off their pride in Bitcoin, try different products to orange pill their friends and family, t-shirts, cards, whatever. And all these entrepreneurs now, this is the first time ever I've ever seen it in Bitcoin, especially this year. And you can probably agree with me on this, Ben, that all of these entrepreneurs have built atop this social and cultural layer of Bitcoin. And now are, we're seeing the fruits of the first type of non-selling Bitcoin, Bitcoin products out there. Um, so not wallets, not exchanges, again, not um, yield products or anything, but just cultural homages and references to Bitcoin. And they're finding real markets for them. The Bitcoin trading cards like Aladdin, you've just impressed me so much getting to know you over the last few few days and weeks. And like I had no idea how big the trading cards thing is, but Aladdin has created a market. There are markets of people who are bidding for these cards who are watching the streams to see certain pulls who are looking for rarity you've created a market from basically nothing and you filled a demand that most of us had no idea was there and i think there's so much more underneath this bitcoin rock to uncover when it comes to that energy drinks merchandise other forms of collectibles um and it's all been in the middle of this like terrible crab year on Bitcoin too, where it's just gone nowhere. I don't think you know any of us have met a Bitcoiner that was minted in 23. I met one at the conference down there, but most of us are holdovers from 21, 22 or before. Um, but we keep building these awesome apps and products for all of us to use within our own ecosystem. So I am bullish on the risk takers in this space trying new things. And uh, yeah, I'll let you guys run with that. I love that. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of something that uh, Madex or Spacebull said to me uh, on one of these shows that he's been on, 
um, he's talking about because he's an artist and he he makes a lot of really cool shit. Um, and he puts he pours his his blood, sweat, and tears into his art. Um, quick, quick plug: I am working on the Madex documentary that'll hopefully be out in a month or two. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I don't know why my camera when I do it like a thumbs up, it it literally does like a lame. <laughs> and then freezes so anyways <laughs> so uh we'll just we'll just not give thumbs up anymore uh but, but anyways um yeah madex is he you know he he makes some really cool shit and he he um made a good point on one of these shows he was talking about how um you know of course there's going to be those that just they make a product and they slap like a Bitcoin symbol on it and then they, they sell it and you know, it, and some people will buy it, but um, you've got people that have sound money that they appreciate the value of. And when they buy products, they actually care if the product is good. And so his point was if, you know, initially sure that you might've gotten away with that, but we're getting to a point where you will not get away with that anymore because when people, uh, he, he basically said, if you make a crappy product that you market to Bitcoiners, you will, and you, you kind of just exploit the, the Bitcoin brand to try and, you know, market your shit and it's bad. You won't retain customers beyond the first sale because the second they realize that your product is garbage, you're no longer worthy of their sats. Whereas people that actually work to make something quality, and then hone in on on the Bitcoiner circles, even if the product itself isn't directly related to Bitcoin, but just like good quality and the people themselves have like a good ethos of understanding the relationship between sound money and quality lasting products, then you're going to have lifelong customers that will give you sound money in exchange for the value you're offering them. And I think that's huge. I think that's super awesome. Um, and yeah, it, it, it shifts the dynamic of how we transact and how we build and how we create and market products for the rest of the world as we shift onto a Bitcoin standard. That's, that's my takeaway from your, your topic here. And, and I think it applies everywhere. Gentlemen, feel free to dive into I Julian's. <laughs> I think that's a really awesome point. Uh, just the idea of like making sound money, kind of encouraging the the production of more quality products. Cause you know, we see with fiat money, how it seems like everything is just like designed to break. Right. And you got to replace it kind of reinforcing that consumerism culture. Um, but yeah, to your point, Julian, I think um, kind of like coming out as a, as, as a Bitcoin or publicly is also a really big risk that a lot of people take, but I also think it's extremely rewarding. Um, uh yeah and um yeah yeah awesome awesome i'll toss it to aladdin as well uh i mean aladdin you're 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 kind of living this right like you you have a lot of uh, attention to detail and you you're, you're passionate about what you're building does this obviously i imagine julian's topic speaks to you a hundred percent to the point where i think i maybe told julian why i'm bullish and that's why he took my uh why am i bullish? <laughs> so i don't want to say too much on it because mine is so similar to uh julian and again getting to meet julian over the last week and, and spend a lot of time with him yeah i don't i if i go into it then i'll give up mine and it's so similar to that so i'll just hold off until 
That's all good. Comes around. <laughs> That's all good. That's all good. Um, uh, I mean, I, I want to add like one more. I want to add one more point onto this, and I've I've been on a bit of like a tirade, a crusade about this, but I think this extends to Bitcoin companies a bit, and it's it's I, I've I've gotten to know quite a few CEOs of Bitcoin companies here in Canada, in the U.S., and how those business models work. And they're they're very much correlated to you know volume of Bitcoin, how much Bitcoin is being transacted on a daily basis. If it's not a lot, they don't get much revenue, and if it's a lot, they have more than they know what to do with. And in those up cycles, it's easier to justify taking risks because you have some excess capital. You can you know you can FAFO or whatever. Um, but we're gonna get to a point where I think we're not gonna have this this pretty clean cut. Um, you know, the two two years after the having are boring, and then the year leading into it, and then one year after is clean. I just don't think that pattern can just go on forever. And this lulled complacency of like, well, we'll, we'll take all our risks in a year and a half, and then we'll just lay low for two and a half years. I don't think it's going to work. And I'm working with companies right now that in the middle of a bear market have structured their businesses differently. And so they can take different creative risks. And I think you're going to start to see, you know, not just me, but the other creators in this space who align themselves with these companies who have different models that are not just reliant on the price of Bitcoin going up, producing some of the best content and media and stuff in the Bitcoin space. And it's going to be a big wake up call to some of these people. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like, you know, talking macro and podcasts, but that playbook of we'll just have a macro podcast and, and, and spaces, you know, once a week, and that'll be how we pull in new customers. That's not going to work, in my opinion, over the next five, six years as the sole way that you build your audience and you get new customers. You're going to have to take risks just like every other company in the world does on different types of creators. You're going to have to delve into the controversy a little bit. You're going to have to try some different forms of marketing. And now the creators are here to actually provide some of that risk taking. So I'm excited to see all the new stuff that's going to be birthed over the next few years. I really think the dynamic for the first time in Bitcoin's history uh, is changing in that regard. So, yeah. I uh, I like that you pointed out what you know the, the companies that are building during the bear market and and you're you're right that um you know just the 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 formula will change and and it's already you know we've got um, a saturation of of just general bitcoin content right we've got a saturation of just oh yeah we're just gonna we'll have somebody on to talk about why money's broken and then we'll you know we'll chat for an hour and a half and then we'll you package it up and ship it off and and we'll get a ton of views um right now if you if you go and do that you're competing against the people that have been around doing it for years that have a dedicated audience and unless you're doing something um, incredibly different, or you just somehow stack your guests like no one else, then, you know, you're, you're, you might do all right for the time being, but like that it's, it's a losing game. And, um, I think you're going to see like, a almost like a specialization of labor, uh, in terms of types of content, right. You've already got the general macro stuff and people will just go there and listen for that. Um, I think the people that hone in on specific areas of Bitcoin, the people that, like you said, take a total departure from from the regular Bitcoin stuff and have some sort of uh, a niche 
that they that they hone in on that, that maybe it's even like a, a really odd pairing. Um, but we're starting to see even just in, in terms of content and the types of people discussing, it's like um, even like the, the Bitcoin veteran thing that they were doing down there. Like it's just you've got a specific type of people that will that will listen to that type of stuff and hear a certain type of perspective. But you're, you're going to have a lot more inventive stuff. You're going to have a, um, people specializing in on like, oh, this is specifically about lightning because it, there's there's so much stuff happening within Bitcoin that just like a generalized Bitcoin show is is probably not going to cut it, whereas you're going to need to like hone in on like the super technical stuff or like certain aspects of you know, the privacy podcast or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, just thinking even outside of that, just totally outside of the box and, and seeing what sticks because damn, there's a lot of Bitcoin podcasts <laughs> as I say this on a Bitcoin podcast. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, building in the bear market and, and all of these companies that are creating things and, and, um, that survive, the bear market and what is probably a worse bear market because of my reason for being bullish with all the SBF shenanigans. Um, those, those are the companies that stick around and, and can, you know, build off the previous cycle, uh, to make themselves basically to completely reinforce themselves. But, um, with that, I think uh, we'll, we'll maybe put a bow on this one and do a rotation if we're good with that, unless anybody has any last minute uh, uh, things to tap in. But otherwise, uh, I'm going to do a rotation and uh, I'm going to toss it down uh, to Aladdin first, man. I'm, I'm just going to go right for you and uh, I'll cue you up with, again, question of the evening. Why are you bullish? Excellent. Well, we'll just push into where uh, Julian got us started in a way. Um, I've got some other little points to add to it, but uh, meeting Julian, let's just start it off with uh, made me even more bullish. Um, so why am I bullish? The people in Bitcoin that I'm meeting, the people working in Bitcoin, but the people that are just here in Bitcoin. Uh, I grew up in a tiny little town where everybody knew everybody and there was a lot of really good people. But after spending a solid 30 years around that area, I left out of hundreds of friends, I left with about three or four solid friends. And honestly, it can even bring that down to maybe two. And it was really hard for many years wondering if I was ever going to meet people that I felt like were going to be these best friends, friends for life kind of people that we just have this same energy see so clearly on so many things. And you don't have to agree with everything, but they're just certain key fundamentals that people have that just bring us together and create those friendships. And when I, I've been in Bitcoin since 2016, but I really just was stacking sats. I couldn't afford to go to conferences. And it's, so I held back. And even though I was working on this project for many years, I waited and said, when I'm ready and I launch, then I'll, I'll jump into the conference and do it. So I've only really been meeting a lot of uh, Bitcoiners in real life for about a year now. And I've got to say, I've, at least 20, 30 people that I feel like will be my friends for the rest of my life. Like we'll be calling each other at least once a month checking in. Um, that was something I never imagined would happen again. 
And that many people in one year to feel that connected to, I mean, there's a bunch of people in the chat right now that I've got to meet a lot of these guys in person and just amazing people. Um, the panties for Bitcoin, if you haven't met Pablo, oh my God, like him and his family are some of the most beautiful people on the face of this earth. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Ben, like our competition is shit. These guys don't know anything. They, they have no values whatsoever. And we're going to wipe the floor with them because as we meet more and more Bitcoiners and see this incredible value that everyone brings, and it doesn't have to necessarily be even someone working in Bitcoin. It's just the value of their character alone and knowing that they're on our side. They're, they're on the team of working towards making this world a better place with Bitcoin. Like, I don't know how you can't be bullish and after meeting a bunch of Bitcoiners and I, I like thinking about the Citadel and being a creator, I've had all these ideas over the years of what a Citadel would be and designed many different ideas of what a Citadel would look like. And the more I meet Bitcoiners, the more I'm like, there's, it's us. Like we are the Citadel, that this community is a Citadel. It's not a place. It's not a building. It's this community that we are building together. And it doesn't matter how big and badass the building that you're hiding out in. If you don't have a community to back you up inside of there, or you don't have a community of people that you get along with well enough, you're going to be jumping over the fence, trying to get out of that community. So I, I couldn't be more bullish right now after Pacific Bitcoin and getting to hang with Julian for the week and so many other people. Just it, it's incredible. Like we, we have the best community on earth. I say it all the time, but we really do have the best community on earth. And when the, the, the newbies and the normies and everyone else start discovering our community and start meeting more and more of these Bitcoiners in person, it's going to be really hard for them not to want to jump in. You can say it's a cult. It's not a cult. It's a family. I love it. Would you say that the real Citadel was the friends we met along the way? hundred <laughs> percent. I know there's a catch to that somewhere. I'm trying to think is, did, did someone write a song on that? Is I'm, I'm missing. <laughs> no, that's just like, what was the, what's, I don't even know what that's from originally, but it's like, you know, just a general <laughs> people be like, Oh, the real, the real treasure or the real, whatever was the friends we met along the way. But I mean, it, it is when, when people talk about, you know, the idea of the Bitcoin Citadel, like, you know, obviously it conjures up these images of, you know, some fortified enclosure where all the Bitcoiners have gone away with their sats and everything. But I, I think the, again, the, the real kind of in practice, the Bitcoin Citadel is, is pretty much everywhere. Because as a Bitcoiner, you can waltz into any city on the globe right now. And if you have a line on the Bitcoiners in town, you've instantly got some friends. Um, and that's a pretty unique thing when it comes to any niche community. I think it's probably exceedingly difficult to, you know, jump into uh, any other type of you know, passion project and then just walk into a city somewhere on the globe and be like, Hey, where are the people who love crochet at? Like <laughs> you're, it's, it's going to be a little bit, where are the knitters at? Where are the, like, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to like conjure up uh, a bunch of friends that, you know, you have some shared values with 
Um, but in practice, I think Bitcoiners have have a much easier time just being like, okay, there's there's a meetup, there's something going on, there's there's a group of people that I can hone in on, and and we can build a relationship. And when it gets to the point where everybody is using Bitcoin in some capacity, then I think we'll have a more kind of a localized existence in the first place in that you'll get to know um, your local rancher. You'll get to know the people building things in and around you because you'll look for true value, not trinkety crap shipped to you from halfway across the world. You look for true value and you'll want to support people in your community that are building quality things. And so, um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's this unique family because we have these shared values with people around the world and it will turn into, I think down the line, um, a fam- a local family for everybody um, that is on the same wavelength where they will create value for each other. I, th- I think that's kind of where we're headed, but I'm Zach, I'm curious to get your thoughts in and around this. Totally. Yeah. Aladdin, I couldn't agree more with you. I think the Bitcoin community, the Bitcoin family is one of the best parts of, of becoming a Bitcoiner really. Um, like it's, you know, some people say that Bitcoin isn't backed by anything and, you know, eventually it'll collapse in value because there's nothing backing it. But I say that Bitcoin is backed by the community. And I mean, as long as there is this strong group of people behind it, I, I don't see how it can, it's basically unstoppable. Um, but yeah, it, it's really like a, meeting other Bitcoiners is just great. And I've made a lot of, a lot of friends and a lot of acquaintances in this space in the few years that I've been in it. Um, it's kind of like when you go to a concert and you get along with the people there because you all like the same kind of music or like that, like that same artist. It's like, you always have that, that common point to, to start at. And then it all kind of just goes from there. Julian, I'll, I'll toss it to you as well. If you want to tag on to Aladdin. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I live in one of the most like drenched in complaint cities in the world, which is Vancouver. Like you do not, you do not meet another Vancouverite with inevitably getting into the conversation of how much you can't stand the lack of culture, the expensive housing, all this nonsense in the city. And I've found ever since I just started going to Bitcoin meetups, I don't have those conversations with people. We just don't talk about it. Like it's the last thing on our minds when I'm at a Vancouver meetup is how expensive the rent is in this city. But as soon as I'm with other people, it's like, oh, that always becomes the the dinner table topic or whatever. So yeah, Bitcoiners radiate positivity. And it's amazing to me because I think you would think that people who, you know, maybe it's a little uh, talks highly of us, but I, I think Bitcoiners would describe themselves as people who can see behind the curtain and have been able to see a dose of reality and have taken the orange pill and all that. And you would think that exposing yourself to you know, the truth behind how our institutions work and, and, you know, the theft that's going on would make us all pessimistic, would make us all, you know, doomers. And there's a lot of them out there. But Bitcoin is the guiding light that we see as basically getting us through all this stuff. And Jeff Booth talks about this a lot that right now what the Bitcoiners are doing is they're building in this parallel system. And actually, the more time we have to build it, the better before, you know, whenever this inevitable fiat collapse happens in one unpredictable form or another and we're making strides it's not slowing down i always fear in bear markets that 
people just dip out and the building stops, but they have that saying building happens in bear markets. I didn't feel that way in 2018, 2019, when I went through that cycle, I felt like a lot of the energy and momentum was sucked out of the room completely. And I really don't feel that way this cycle. And maybe it's because I didn't do conferences back then or something. Um, but the momentum is here. It's only going to get better in the bull markets because we'll have more resources to include more people and things. Um, but yeah, the, the friends are here to stay and all those wonderful, uh, sappy things we can say about that. I, I totally agree with Aladdin. Like, I mean, I stayed down there with, with you and a bunch of us in a house and I basically never met any of you guys and we're like instant friends. And I'm surprisingly a pretty closed off person when it comes to making new friends, but having that link and having a shared set of values that most Bitcoiners share is amazing. And then, you know, even just before the show, I did a live stream with uh, a boomer. Uh, rules broken on Twitter and we were talking about oil and how we both have like two completely different views on the future price of oil and we like vehemently disagreed and it was all live streamed uh, but no bad blood right it's all good in in Bitcoin land because we see the future pretty clearly and we can align on on that set of values either way so yeah I uh, so and and I think um in general, seeing, in general, seeing oh, uh, Julian, can you mute for a sec? I'm getting a weird. Oh, we got it. Awesome. Um, so I think also because I see a few comments in in the chat about like, again, mostly mostly from uh, inspired uh, inspiring formally as Bitcoiners have no share of set values. Um, um, go outside. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the thing. So. I think it's it's entirely different Twitter versus in-person Bitcoiners. This is where you need to draw the differentiation. People on the internet is a shitty place. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. The internet, like the discourse between people on the internet fucking sucks. But the discourse between Bitcoiners in person is totally fine. Like when you actually interact with people person to person, you can actually get a gauge on on tone and intent and all of that stuff. You can actually converse with people. So you, it's really tough to to gauge, um, you know, how people interact with people and how um, easy it is to, uh, I guess, relate and build relationships Um when your litmus test is is online right whereas over the past number of years i i've in interacting in real life with people i think i've gained some of the best lifelong friends that i i will have and a lot of that comes from and again a lot of this is people i vehemently disagree with on a lot of different things but i think the difference is Knowing that the people that I'm interacting with have, have, you know, at least at a base level of like, Hey, this, there's a, um, a reason why things are broken and we've come together on a solution for it. It may be that we see it playing out differently, or we see or, or we pull different positives from uh, what will be the implication of Bitcoin. 
But in general, we we're both kind of working towards the goal of like, hey, Bitcoin will improve the world in some way, shape or form. And so through that, you know, um, there there's a bit of a, you know, Bitcoin has has its roots in, uh, you know, some libertarianism. So I, I feel like that's kind of an underlying even for the people that lean right or lean left. Um, there's still also a degree of live and let live um, underlying a lot of Bitcoiners mindsets of like, hey, I should I should be able to live my life the way I see fit. And most people should also be able to do that. And we should, you know, leave each other alone and be able to kind of have a free market and provide value to each other. I think that there's, you know, a a much higher degree of that mentality in Bitcoiners than perhaps in other uh, facets of society. And so we can kind of come together on that. And, And I've got friends of mine that you know, lean all different types of ways. We have progressive Bitcoiners. We have right-wing Bitcoiners. We have deeply religious Bitcoiners. We have atheist Bitcoiners. And you know what I've seen over time is that all of those types of Bitcoiners have in person been able to come together and agree to disagree on things. I'm going to I'm gonna give a, a perfect example. Knut Svanholm is is staunchly atheist and and i would say early on was almost um kind of like myself was uh held like an animosity towards religious people um and i grew up going to catholic school so maybe it was rooted in a little bit of that just like you know not liking some of the ideals that i was seeing come out come out of some of my teachers and, and, um, kind of like the just general mentality that I was seeing there. And then I met a bunch of religious Bitcoiners. I met, I like, I went to, I got invited to come speak at thank God for Bitcoin, which I found ironic given that I wouldn't say that I'm a religious person at all. Um, but what I, what I was greeted with was a group of like gracious, kind, wonderful people that completely threw out the window my impression of religious people that I had before. And so it was Bitcoin that brought us together and that made me question my assumption about a large group of people and made me open up to that. And conversely, I think some people may have thought of, uh, you know, atheists in some sort. And I I wouldn't say I'm necessarily an atheist, but I definitely wouldn't say I'm religious. Um, But some of those religious Bitcoiners, I think, are are more, you know, maybe accepting of somebody who's not particularly religious. And and to my point about Knut Svanholm, um, he, I, it was probably a few months ago, and I didn't expect it out of him because he always basically he had not kind words for religion. Uh, but he even on Twitter, he's like, you know, I've discovered that um, I can actually get along with and appreciate. Uh, you know, religious Bitcoiners that are, you know, have a a moral framework and see value in that in Bitcoin as a moral money. And, you know, I I thought that was a unique thing to see and an interesting shift in mindset um, and proof that Bitcoin can bring people together that 
previously may not have been in the same circles. And so I think, um, yeah, we're kind of being all drawn together again, progressives, right wingers, religious, non-religious, um, a, a little mix of everyone is all coming to Bitcoin. We're going to disagree on a bunch of stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, I love my progressive Bitcoiners. I love Troy Cross and Jason Mayer and, and Margo and all of them. I think they're great people. I also love my right winger Bitcoiners and there's plenty of them out there. And I love my religious and non-religious Bitcoiners. I think they're all fantastic people. So end of the day, yeah, I, I would disagree. And uh, I would I would say that uh, Bitcoiners do have an underlying thread that will bring us together. And uh, I think it's great. I love it. I don't know if we want to wrap there. Uh, well, one of the things I'll add to that real quick, I'll make it short. I think so. I, I do everything I can to orange pill just about every single person that I meet and every chance I get. And I got to say, skip the starting with Bitcoin and go straight to freedom. And almost every time I at least get them to to show their interest in Bitcoin, because in the end, it's not about the gains for most people. It's about the freedom, freedom of choice, freedom of expression, freedom of religion. It's really just us coming together and for once in history, having true freedom as a human race. And that's the opportunity that Bitcoin brings. And like my dad wasn't he, he doesn't care, but he's a farmer. The gains, the technology, none of that means anything to him. But when he started learning about what Bitcoin is doing for third world countries around the world, he got really excited. And most people I speak to about Bitcoin that know very little about Bitcoin, it's the freedom aspect that brings them along. So that is that glue that kind of brings us together. And if you're someone that is like anti-freedom, <laughs> you're not going to fit in Bitcoin very well. And like to everything you were just saying, if you believe in freedom, then you believe everyone has the right to believe what they want to believe. So if, yeah. from religion to right or left or whatever it is, it really doesn't matter as long as you respect the other person's beliefs and their right to have their own beliefs. And that to me is going to be what really makes Bitcoin more powerful than anything because it's really bringing out the, the passion for people to want to embrace their freedom. So yeah. you're, you're spot on. I agree. And also shout out to, uh, you know, we just got finished talking about uh, people that you make lifelong connections with. Uh, one of them's in the chat uh, right now. Um, uh, Adam Meister, uh, the Bitcoin Meister. He's been around doing his, his uh, shows for ages. He was one of the first shows that I ever got invited onto. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't get to see him in person often, but as soon as I see him in person, it's, it's, you know, it's like, again, this natural kind of bond that's there. And I appreciate everything that he's done. Um, and, uh, what an awesome guy. And he's so full of energy all the time. And he, I don't think he drinks coffee either. He's just like, he's just so full of natural energy at, at every waking moment. And, uh, and I don't know how he does it, but I love him for it. So, uh, Adam, thanks for popping into the chat and we got to get you back on the show soon. So legend Adam gave me my start. He is the man, uh, yeah. Adam. <laughs> he is, he, yeah, he's, he's awesome. I love him. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, um, I think it's time for another rotation, um, after our, our love fest there, which I enjoyed. Uh, but we got it. We got to get to Zach and his reason for being bullish. So Zach, I'm going to cue you up again. Uh, last 
ask of the show. So uh, same question as the others. Why are you bullish? Zach, just real quick, you have to give us something depressing now to balance it all out. Okay. <laughs> I, it's reason to be bullish. You can't be depressing about that. <laughs> well, I'm going to take it in a little bit different, a little bit different of a direction, I guess, and a, and a bit more broader idea, but um, I am very bullish on Bitcoin and Gen Z. Um, and this kind of stems from my role as president of, of a Bitcoin club and being on the ground with my generation um, and talking to them about Bitcoin and seeing their their open mindedness and engagement around this this brand new technology. Um, and I think it's really important to realize uh, like a perspective that a lot of people I know have is kind of this perception of, of hopelessness with so many sort of global challenges coming at us at such a young age. Uh, whether we're talking about economic problems like high inflation and and really bad wealth inequality and burgeoning debt or social issues or environmental problems like climate change um what i really love is is bitcoin's kind of multifaceted nature it gives it the ability to sort of address a lot of these issues simultaneously right um and i'm not saying it's necessarily going to fix everything in the world but uh it definitely can can help us kind of bridge the gaps that we currently have um, and I think like kind of the key here really just becomes education, right? Um, I see a lot of, uh, sometimes on Twitter, a little bit of too much, uh, negativity towards younger generations and which I don't really understand. I think we need to be focusing on, on bringing them in and educating them. Um, because these people, they're, they're looking for solutions. Uh, they, they recognize they have a very global perspective. They recognize the problems that we're facing. And, and I think if we were able to bridge that gap to Bitcoin and help them understand how Bitcoin can like address these problems, uh, they will flock behind it with their support. Um, and so that's kind of been a goal of mine as at university is just bringing Bitcoin awareness and helping people understand not only how Bitcoin can help them individually, but how it can kind of um, help them as a society. Um, and then to add to that, right, Gen Z is the the first digitally native generation to, to ever grow up on this planet. Um, I mean, I can speak from experience when I say that since I was born and and throughout growing up, we've watched um, the launch of every social media platform that now exists. Uh, we've watched the formation of the largest tech monopolies, you know, Google, the Apples, the Amazons. Uh, on my ninth birthday, the first Bitcoin block was mined. Like all of these these crazy convergences of of technology and and just the digitization of everything. You know, we've seen our music, our TV. Um, our, our, our mail, our shopping, um, our photos, everything has, has become digital. Um, and so uh, going towards Bitcoin and, and the ability for Gen Z to kind of embrace Bitcoin is, is really a, a natural next step. Like the digitization of money um, is, is totally natural for us and really doesn't come as a surprise at all. Um, uh, I'd like to add to like, I think Bitcoin, um, is a really great entry point to increasing financial literacy as well. Uh, so I can speak from my own perspective here, um, going through the public education system in Canada, they don't teach you anything about finance or, or economics at all. Um, and I really was only exposed to this when I decided to study economics at university. So I think Bitcoin kind of um, is a really great entry point to, to learning uh, basic financial literacy um, and kind of asking those really important questions that we're always talking about, you know, what is money learning about how our current financial system works. And, uh, you know, when you, when you ask these questions, you start to realize, right, that the money's broken. Um, you come to these conclusions like, okay, the financial system we have actually doesn't work for everybody. It's, it's benefiting the few at the expense of the many. 
Um, and I think those are those are really important conclusion, conclusions to come to and then kind of also point to Bitcoin as that solution. Um, and then finally, uh, just kind of seeing Bitcoin as a really um, stellar investment for for my generation. Um, I mean, in our lifetimes uh, in Canada, at least housing prices have quadrupled since I was born. Of course, incomes have not kept pace with that to any degree. Uh, and then we've also witnessed just like massive asset inflation, whether we're talking about stocks or, or whatever. Um, so in a lot of ways, we've been we've been priced out of markets like housing. Um, and I think Bitcoin kind of presents itself as a really stellar investment opportunity for my generation to actually build wealth uh, now that we're kind of becoming adults and we actually have savings and money to invest. Um, Bitcoin really, really presents itself as like a very undervalued with a very high uh, return potential compared to investing in, in really anything else. So, yeah, I am for those reasons, I am very bullish on, on Gen Z and Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, I, I I think you're so right that there's there's this shifting of the tides in terms of you know how does this generation navigate you, you know right now there's a lot of questions like if somebody gets a retirement how are they going to navigate that because it's not and now it is a question of if if things continue down the path that they're in um, that they're on and and. I think Bitcoin, you know, for the average person becomes that, right? Um, the boomer generation, you know, grew up uh, with a situation where, you know, you could you could just easily kind of, you know, get get a decent job, get a, a regular job and just, um, you know, buy your home. And, and the, the, it was a little bit more obvious over time. Um, how to just build yourself into adulthood. Um, and now that that cookie cutter answer of how do you invest for retirement and make sure that you make it there, um, it's totally called into question. Like this, this typical 60-40, buy a home, all, all these things. Um, it, it doesn't appear that that's going to be the tactic that works moving forward. But I think you're right in that the tactic that will work and that people will be able to capitalize on is, is number one, be good at something, get a, get a job where you can create value for others. Number two, learn to spend less than you earn, which in today's environment is difficult. It hopefully can be navigated over time. Hopefully things will normalize a little bit. Um, and number three, save in Bitcoin. And it takes a lot of the additional steps of previous generations out. It, it takes the current environment of you've got to be, uh, you know, you've got to be a part time uh, investment expert in order to navigate this crap, or you have to defer to somebody else and give them a huge cut over the course of your lifetime. Um, now it can just be be good at something, provide value, spend less than you earn, and just save your money, which will be Bitcoin. And that will be enough. And I think that's that's a godsend. That's to be able to just say, I don't need to worry about it. I've got a job. I've got a regular job. And I've, I've reined in my spending, so I'm not being stupid. And I have a little bit of savings each, each time I get paid. And that's it. That's all I need to do. Just save. And my savings will... Uh, 
increase in purchasing power over time. Eventually, it'll get to a place, I think, where it's just like a mild deflation. And it's reflective of, um, uh, uh, it'll be, I think it'll be reflective of two things. Number one, obviously, the constrained monetary supply versus uh, the ingenuity of people and the ability of us to create more stuff with less effort. And it'll also be a function of population as well, um, which I'm hoping with optimistic Bitcoiners, population will get back on track to growing so that there's more people to innovate more and be able to create more with less. And I think with all those factors, we could see, again, this, this kind of, I guess, after the fourth turning, <laughs> a new, uh, you know, a, a new, um, again, a new turning where, where there's once again, optimism and abundance for everyone. Um, and yeah, I look forward to that. So I'll, I'll, I'll let the other gentlemen tag in on anything they want to add here. Zach, to your, to your point, I think, cause I, I have like a lot of friends who are Gen Z. I'm on the cutoff. I'm basically just millennial, but I'm basically Gen Z if I was born a couple a couple months later. Um, I just was looking up a stack cause I, I'd seen it before, but I wanted to get it precise here. Vancouver third, fourth biggest city in Canada, you need a $250,000 annual income to be able to um, be approved for a mortgage for the average single family house in Vancouver. And that's, I believe that is post-tax income. So realistically, your salary as an individual and your wife or partner is going to have to have a matching one would need to be about $160,000, $180,000 Canadian a year in order to have a shot at even just getting a mortgage for a house, let alone, you know, actually being able to buy one outright. And so it's it's frustrating because like people go to university and they they, you know, they expect to get a job, but they don't actually run the numbers. They don't do the math in their heads. They don't realize too the deflate like the inflationary aspect of money and how the wages never really keep up to the price of property. It's $250,000 annual income needed this year. It's going to be 300 in a couple of years, 400 in a couple of years. Who knows? Maybe there's a recession. The point being though is what what is really important, I think, and what you're tapping into is that People go into university with hope and they exit, you know, feeling a little bit drained because maybe the job prospects aren't as good as they think they are and things radically change within a few years. And Bitcoin is that hope for a generation. And I think almost the best way to really start orange pilling young people is to, to expose them to more stories of people who didn't just find Bitcoin and made it rich, but used it as a savings tool. Because if I was a student and I learned that there were people out there who didn't just buy Bitcoin at $5, now they're a millionaire, but just stacked sats and they were able to afford property within five or six or seven years. I don't know how many stories like that exist. That would be super compelling for me to go down the rabbit hole and start learning more because it would show me a provable way of exiting the fiat rat race rather than, oh, here's another example of somebody who made it big as an entrepreneur. Here's a reason that I should feel bitter about it. You go on a university campuses, everyone blames everything on capitalism, but you show them a tangible way to actually make it happen. And I think you start turning heads a lot more. And I'm, I'm super bullish on your reason. I think all this stuff, like I really wish somebody came to my campus and talked about Bitcoin back in the day. 
I know we had like a blockchain club. I was just getting into it as I was graduating, but you having the opportunity to bring this to kids in their first year who can actually start doing a little bit of financial planning before they graduate, that's going to make a world of difference. So that's awesome, man, that you're a part of that. Aladdin, you want to jump in here as well? Oh, absolutely. No, Zach, you're, you're on point. And being the father of uh, two Gen C uh, teenagers right now, they're getting ready to graduate themselves. Um, I, I see a lot of it firsthand. And I think that it, it's as the world's been moving over the last 10, 15 years, there's a major difference in the way of these cell phones that we hold in our hands. We take this technology everywhere with us. Um, one of the things that I really dove into over the last like 15 years is propaganda and really studying that as deep as I could go. And, and it goes into the, the red pill really hardcore in that one. And you can really see like when we were kids, you spent a lot of your time outdoors and you spent some of your time indoors and some kids spent a lot of their time in front of the TV. But the problem we have now is that TV goes everywhere with you. So what that means is the propaganda goes everywhere with you and you can't leave the propaganda. And the, the, this generation, it's really sad to see how much of that propaganda is just shoved down their throat daily. Um, more than any generation has ever had it. I think this one has a hell of a battle. But on the flip side, what this technology has created is the opportunity for entrepreneurs like never before in the history of human beings. Like you got kids that are 10, 11 years old. If they got the drive, they got the will. And as Julian said in the beginning, they're risk takers. They have the opportunity from their home, from anywhere in the country. If you have internet access, you can immediately become an entrepreneur. Um, I think that is one of the things that makes me so bullish on this next generation is they really have the ability. If we can start to battle their propaganda. So the definition of propaganda is marketing and advertising, basically. So that's what they're getting is some really evil and vile marketing and advertising, giving them the complete opposite of what the truth is. So it's up to us Bitcoiners, freedom lovers, people that are out for the embetterment of the human race to start battling back. And we have to start trending with what we have. And most of the generation, most people are good people. They just haven't been given the good information. And once they can start to reach that and receive that really good information, they're going to be way more fired up to do good than they ever would bad. So we just have to start balancing that out as a human race and pushing as much as we can to give them the, the correct information and get it trending. And it will trend. I mean, what's what did Mr. Beast do to make it so far? He was very generous and he went out and like those those videos are addicting to see him walk up to houses and ask people a couple questions and pay their rent right there on the spot. Things like that, that like I don't cry in movies when it's sad. The tears come down when they're happy moments. And I think most people are that way. We're so desensitized to the sadness. But when we see joy and happiness, something sparks in us like nothing else, because sadly, most of that is shut down by the mainstream media. So like pushing that part, the beauty is really going to be what inspires people more than anything. And I think this generation, like you're talking about, like they want good. They've seen enough of the shit, the wars, the garbage, the crap that's happening. Their parents that through 2009, the collapse, so many young kids lived through that. 
and saw what their parents had to go through. There is a massive opportunity for this next generation to jump in and be that catalyst that starts pushing the true beauty of humankind. Like the, it is so beautiful. We're just given the crap. Like the news is the bad news. Like how come we don't have the good news show? I thought about that even when I was a young kid. I'm like, it's always bad news. Where is the good news? So if there's a way that we can really start to work together as a society to put out the good news, to start giving that hope back to the kids, it's amazing what we're going to be able to accomplish once people have that hope back. And I think Gen Z is just waiting for the catalyst to give them that hope to start fighting for all of our futures. I mean, it's it's up to the next generations that are going to take care of us and, and take care of my grandchildren and so on and so forth. So I think you really hit an uh, amazing one there, Zach. I'm, I'm fully bullish with you. Zach, I got a question for you. Um, because obviously, so I'm, you know, I was born in 85. So I'm like, directly like millennial. And so I kind of, you know, I, I've had like an interesting kind of sway to and fro on the, the political spectrum over time. Um, and then Bitcoin kind of just like tore me away from, um, you know, leaning necessarily one way or the other on the politics spectrum. I, I, I mostly have realized that I, I <laughs> never trust a politician is kind of my takeaway. Um, but you know, when I was, when I was younger, um, the, the, the mentality that I grew up with was, was everything was a little bit more on the conservative side. That was kind of the, I, I would say, you know, the, the, it was more of that than, than kind of progressive early on, or, or at least I perceived it as, the um the i i was always growing up going oh these damn conservative people want to censor everything they they want to prevent me from seeing and hearing different things because everything was like oh we can't we can't let the kids see this we can't we can't do this we can't do that um we need to take these people off of the tv or we can't release this movie because people will see it and and i kind of grew up in a mentality of like okay, well, why don't you just let people decide what they want to listen to, watch, and all that stuff. So I, I, I grew up in a time where I perceived um, kind of the right side of the political spectrum as being the ones who uh, would censor. And then um, I guess coming into adulthood, I, I stayed, I guess, leaning left because of that mentality. And then over the past decade or so, you know, I had a shift where um, I, I started to see the left end of the political spectrum as, as I guess they kind of, um, were gained more power. I saw the same, uh, tactics exhibited from the left as well, where it's like, okay, well now, now we've got the run of the place and we're going to try and censor certain types of topics and things. And so you, you, you it, it came off to me as a, um, you know, just whoever has power uh, is is the one that would um, kind of try to control whatever narrative they, they wanted to get out there. 
And it, it took Bitcoin to kind of tear me out of that left and right mentality and more so question individual topics. And I think the reason it pulled me out of that line of thinking um, was realizing that wherever I got my information, um, you know, the first time I ever saw Bitcoin reported incredibly poorly. The first time I ever saw, and it was Mt. Gox when that collapsed, I had done enough research to know that when the news said that Bitcoin got hacked and had failed, that I was like, well, that's like it, that, you know, I could have understood that maybe like a few days into looking into Bitcoin and it's being reported as fact is that that's what has happened. And so over the years, I continued to see very poorly reported things, even even today with like um, Bitcoin and, and how it interacts with energy. Um, you know, I see a lot of reports about that that are just blatantly incorrect. And and it makes me go, well, if if the news that I was taking as fact um, is is this wrong? on something that I've spent some time actually researching. Um, is it possible that the news in many other topics could be equally wrong if they've come across the wrong information and just reported as facts? So my question to you is, um, again, kind of being born like a decade later than myself, how have you perceived kind of this push and kind of push and pull politically and do you think that do you think that bitcoin gifts gen z with the ability to think critically for those that understand it do you think it it pushes them into that mindset yeah well i, I mean i can speak from my own experience um as a, a teenager i definitely think i leaned a little bit more left um and I think Bitcoin also had a really large part to play in, in my political journey in the sense that it made me much, much less political in general. Um, I think there, I think, I mean, really, I, I just do not align with any ideology anymore. And I, I can't really fall into that anymore because I think that it's sort of just two sides of the same coin, as you were kind of saying, like with the censorship thing, whoever's in power is going to be the one kind of doing that. So right now it might be the left, but um, you know, if, if the right was in power, we might be saying the exact same thing. Um, and I, I also find it a little amusing, too, when people kind of believe, kind of like put a lot of faith in, in politicians and, and think that, oh, you know, if, if my party gets in, everything's going to be OK. But really, it's it's pretty much going to be the same and we're going to have a lot of the same results. And I think that's because one, like a lot of the issues we're facing are systemic, right They're They have to do with the way our, our system works, the way our money works. Etc. Um, and that's not going to get fixed uh, just by a political party that is, you know, trying to change things in four years, um, and then have another political party come in and then undo everything that they did. Um, so, I mean, I, another big concern a lot of people have from my generation is just like the the political stagnation, the inaction. I guess I would say, where it feels like one, we don't have a voice. Like we're not really being. Doesn't feel like my generation is really represented politically at all. Um, and then also 
Yeah. So, yeah. So mainly that, but I think that like the role, I think Bitcoin can, can play a really important role here um, in helping people, like you were saying, think a lot more critically about politics, about the political system that we have. Um, and kind of like, like you were saying, like dive into issues um, with more depth and research, right? Not just believing the headlines and things like that. Cause, cause you're totally right. Um, like I, it, it was it was a really crazy journey for me um, seeing like certain media outlets portray Bitcoin in a certain way and and thinking to myself, okay, I, this is something that I've been studying for a few years now. I know how this works, and yet these people in legacy media or whatever are either ignorant of, of how it works or purposefully misleading people because what they're saying is not true. That's not how it works or just casting it in a, in a, in a really bad light. Um, and that's a really like, it, it's kind of like a revelation in your mind, because like you said, you, then you ask yourself like, okay, how many of, how many other topics are they wrong about? Uh, what, what is true anymore? Right. And so, yeah, I really do think that Bitcoin can, can kind of encourage critical thinking and um, also like give a voice to, to a generation that, that feels very unrepresented. Awesome. Yeah. I, awesome. I, I, I think, I think that like add on to that point, something I was thinking about is it's not profitable to, you know, tell the news or even spread propaganda anymore. If you're a large institution, there's the, like the free market has decided that like the wall street journal, uh, New York times, all these things are unprofitable business models. Um, they're, they're propped up by basically two or three or four benevolent donors, or if they're not a, private, you know, so-called institution, they're state media. And we've, I mean, Ben, you shared that chart like a couple months ago, how uh, CBC tries to conceal the fact that basically they don't have a profitable model. They just bleed money. And the only way that they're able to exist is, is on tax dollars. And when we boil this all down, if taxation is theft, the only way that CBC is able to survive is through theft. Right. And so it's like the, like the free market is a really good gauge of truth. But, you know, we have all this like vision of that, oh, laissez-faire, free market, it just leads to corruption, monopoly. And, and, you know, some people on the left or the right, they can't see that. But in a truly free market, like these massive conglomerate agencies that try and craft elaborate narratives, um, you know, by by their like, you know, their, their, their false uh, pedigrees or whatever, it doesn't it doesn't pay. It doesn't pay. The market doesn't want to pay for those things anymore. I don't think it's just because the Internet has, you know, made knowledge dissemination so much cheaper and easier. I think it's just people would rather go with someone they actually know and trust rather than go to an organization. So it's pretty wild to me sometimes that like people in our generation, they go to these big media institutions uh, for learning about things when there are even people who align with exactly what they talk about politically and they won't they won't view them right like because there are great you know leftist youtubers and stuff that have good points and socialist youtubers and all that but they will still rather go to the state for their information than that but that's all going to fade away and it, it's not even going to take a bitcoin standard to make that fade away i think we're just going to run out of fiat to fuel these organizations over time yeah yeah i, th I think you're probably right um all right. Well, gentlemen, what I like to do as I, as I round out the show is I like to do a quick round of any final thoughts that you may have on any of the topics presented, uh, as well as asking you guys for a recommendation. And what I mean by recommendation is for the people watching, 
what do you think would be value for them to valuable for them to check out? And this could be anything. It could be um, a book, a video, a podcast that you enjoyed. It could be an app. It could be a device. It could be just some general life advice that you think people would uh, uh, would benefit from. Really, anything um, that you think would benefit the people watching. Um, so I'll start off with my final thoughts and recommendation to give you guys, uh, you know, a, a moment to consider and. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll go from there. So, uh, yeah, final thoughts here. I think, again, contrary to um, some sentiment, um, and this actually kind of runs contrary to um, uh, some stuff that that Safedine says some, sometimes as well, um, where there's there's this uh, inclination of some people to believe there is no quote unquote Bitcoin community and. You know, to a degree, I'd say eventually, technically speaking, yes, there is no Bitcoin community because it becomes just the world um, and everybody is using Bitcoin. But I do think that, especially right now, there is a distinct Bitcoin community and that Bitcoin community, as Aladdin pointed out, is honed in on an idea of, of greater freedom, at least where it comes to the ability to transact and express the fruits of one labor of one's labor um, and use money as almost like a form of speech. Uh, you know, money is basically just a way of, of taking your values and, and communicating them to the world. What are you going to spend your time and your blood, sweat and tears on? What do you think is valuable to do with that? Um, and so Bitcoin allows you to do that in a way that can't debase your values, right? When money print, printing happens, when 40% of all existing fiat is created in, you know, a couple calendar years, that means 40% of your communicated values disappear. And so when people don't see their values reflected back to them in the world, there's a reason because people can siphon those off and allocate them where they see fit. So I think community wise, yeah, there's a distinct Bitcoin community. I think there are shared values there. I think people are gravitating towards Bitcoin for a reason and that those people have a much easier time forming and forging relationships than you would with the average person on the street, because you get to bypass the small talk and the feeling out of, well, where do you sit and what are your values here? Um, you know that you have a baseline to start from that transcends um, somebody that you'd be totally unfamiliar with. Uh, and I think it, as I said earlier, it leads towards a, a better foundation um, of shared values globally. And of course, there's going to be people that disagree on a lot of topics, but at least we'll have a base layer of communication in which people can, again, like funnel their values and hopefully try to see them played out in the world based on where they spend their sats. And um, that will create tighter knit communities where people create value for each other. So, yeah, that, that's kind of my final thought there. Um, in terms of recommendations, um, uh, I'm going to bring this up because I made a tutorial on it this week and I'm just going to share it for one sec here. Uh, but 
if if you have not dove into time chain calendar um it's such a cool tool so i did a tutorial on it this week um uh tc uh created this um awesome dude and he's made a hell of a tool and and i always bring it up at the beginning of my live shows and i you know rattle off a few metrics but a lot of people don't realize how friggin' cool this thing is and what's in front of them like you can literally scrub through the history of bitcoin and find any block. And also that's a sound effect that a new block just dropped. But see, you can see all of the stats of that block at that time, including what was the price then, what were the sats per dollar, what was the market cap, what was the supply and the percent mined, what mining epoch were we in, what was the subsidy? You know, like you get all of these stats out the gate just by scrubbing through. You can literally click and type in any block that you want. You can literally search by block or by date and find specific information then. And you can also jump from epoch to epoch. What happened uh, on the eve of the first halving? Where were we at? What was the price? You can do all of this crazy stuff. And beyond that, get all your mining stats, all of that. And a lot of people don't even notice that this little rim here is actually the cadence of mined blocks over the last 24 hours. So you can actually see like where you know, how, uh, you know, it, overall, Bitcoin is very predictable. But when you zoom in, it looks erratic, right? Because blocks will come in, in, in chunks, and then there'll be spaces where no blocks are mined at all. But you can, you can basically go along this rim and click on any block, and it'll give you the information for that block, and who mined it, all that stuff. So this, again, if you haven't played with it, Go check out timechaincalendar.com because it's so cool. And me rattling off a few stats at the beginning of an episode does it an absolute disservice because it's super awesome. Uh, so that is my recommendation. Go bookmark this and play around with it because it's amazing. And TC deserves some, some credit and uh, you should check it out. So anyways, um, Julian, I'm going to toss it to you for your final thoughts and recommendations. Uh, take it away. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, stay bullish. I don't know. You guys have we've we've covered everything here, so I don't want to sound like a broken record. But um, I'll I'll make a quick shout out here uh, to anyone who's watching this that is into filmmaking at all. Uh, I'm working to get a sort of list and collective of people that work in film. You can be an editor, a director, cinematographer, sound designer, anything. I'm trying to get a sort of like big picture um, list of people that work in the film world who want to do more Bitcoin projects. As I'm getting a lot down the pipeline, I can't handle all of them. I think there's some other people feeling that way too. And we want to work with people in the industry that are aligned with that. So uh, yeah, if you're into film, uh, please message me. I will get back to you within the week of kind of this little thing I'm trying to assemble a list basically of all the filmmaking talent in this space. Um, as for recommendations, oh man, you know what I was bummed about is I had across the border uh, from Pacific Bitcoin, so they wouldn't let me take liquids. Um, but I want to give a shout out to Sovereign Energy. Uh, these guys are making a Bitcoin based energy drink. Um, and you know what? I'm, I'm usually pretty brutally honest. Like I love energy drinks. I probably drink too many of them and I wouldn't, I wouldn't flatter these guys if it wasn't that good. 
but it is the sovereign energy. Uh, I think the CEO, his name's Oliver. Um, I think it's spelled S V R N energy.com, or you just look up sovereign energy, Bitcoin, you'll find it on Twitter, beautiful, uh, beautiful cans. And when you peel back the label, you can scan this QR code and actually get anywhere between 500 sats to a million sats on every single can of it. Um, but if you're an energy drink aficionado like me, yeah, there you go. Give this, give this stuff a try. It's awesome. Uh, it tastes really good in my opinion. Can't buy it in Canada, I guess, but maybe you can ship it to the border and then drive over and pick it up or whatever, but try this stuff. Um, it's got a lot of good ingredients too. uh, full plug, but yeah, no, I usually, you know, it's like what you were saying earlier with Madex. Like a lot of people will just slap Bitcoin on something and try and sell it. And when I saw this at first, I was like, okay, you know, this is kind of gimmicky, but I tried it and I was like, shit, like they actually really went to get the taste profile right on it. So yeah, give it, give it a look. Yeah. That, I, uh, I was, I was kind of hesitant when, when I took a look at it, I didn't get to try it while I was down there. There was a bunch of cans, but, um, a bunch of people said it tasted pretty good. So, and, and, and the sats thing, like the scanning for sats, uh, is, is kind of cool. Like you can like, you peel off the label and you can win sats underneath and then it gives you a bunch of information where you can learn stuff. And yeah. So anyways, uh, cool idea. The guy was super nice and, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see. We'll see if he uh, uh, again, as as mentioned by Madex, we'll see if uh, the product uh, de is deemed worthy of the sats of the plebs. Let's let's see how it goes. Awesome. Um, cool. Well, I'm going to toss it down to Aladdin. Dude, final thoughts, recommendations. All right. Um, I've got to say on the sovereign energy thing real quick. Um, I know Oliver personally. I've been working with him like, on his idea since Miami. Salt of the earth, one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Uh, put his life savings into this. Like, This is not a big corporation. This is not a big group of people. He's doing the risk, and he's putting the whole risk out there, and he's a Bitcoiner through and through, and the man is just just a beautiful person. So I, I hope everything works out for him in the best ways because he's got a great idea. And that kind of leads into my final thoughts. Um, build, do what you can. Like the, the world needs the Bitcoiners right now. The world needs people to take that risk, jump out there and work towards fixing this holy, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on here, but it's a really crappy situation that we're in. And I've got kids and I'm scared for their future. And I've dug into a lot of things over many years. I've, I've been anti-government my entire life. So I've always been digging, I've always been researching into what's going on. And, and there's, it's a screwed up world. And it's because of this fiat crap show that we're in. And they have the ability to run the narrative and control the world. And it's really scary. And we live most of us and in a pretty kicked back situation we have a lot of comfort even when things are bad most of the bad that we're seeing is on the television and we're not living it um i've i've lived it i've got a lot of friends and family i know a lot of people all over the world that are living it it's really screwed up and the world needs people to jump out there and fight for them uh, they don't have the opportunities we do if you're in a comfortable situation at all to be able to fight for their freedom, it's, it's not just yours, it's theirs. It's our children's, our children's children. Like, just do what you can. It could be just talking to your waiter, talking to 
your Uber driver, whoever it is. Um, there's many ways to orange peel people without ever having to bring up Bitcoin. <laughs> Do what you can when you can, because we're in a massive battle and it's going to take everyone with a solid heart and good values to have any chance of defeating or even having like an impact against what we're up against. It's not going to be a handful of people with podcasts and a handful of people with some ideas that's going to make this change. We all have to come together and do our part or it's just going to get worse than it is right now. And look beyond your comfort zone and see what's really going on out there and, and take your stand. Now is the time. Take it from uh, William Wallace and uh, freedom. So that's my final thought and my recommendation. Um, support people and check out what, uh, especially, I mean, you're already here with, with Ben, so I would be, I'd be shilling you, but everyone that here knows you're here. Um, check out Julian, check out Zach and see what they're doing because these are the people that again are making this impact. And if you personally don't have the time and the energy to go out there and, and try to make that impact, at least share the people that are, it's free to retweet. It's free to share. Um, I don't think there's enough of this going on. It's it's so free. And if you don't want to shill, like feel like you're shilling it to Bitcoiners, then shill it to NFT people. Shill it to shitcoiners. Like you don't have to like hashtag Bitcoin. Who needs this information more than anybody? The people that are buying scams, the people that are getting scammed left and right, they need the information. So like reach out to the people that are doing the good and help spread the word about what those people are doing because like every little bit counts build your uh build your local circle and uh help those that are maybe misunderstanding the change that we're seeing in front of us um because i think a lot of people like you said a lot of people that get into the shit coins and everything they they see it as kind of the solution to to fiat not realizing that that quote unquote crypto is like fiat to the extreme, right? Fiat, the elites get to print money. Crypto, everybody gets to print money. And Bitcoin, no one gets to print money. So I think that's a, a big takeaway that people should learn. Yeah, and a lot of those people, I, they're not all bad people. They're misinformed. Yeah. It's like left or right or this religion or that religion. They're just misinformed. There's yeah. so many beautiful people that have been scammed. I talked to a guy just the other day that's one of the nicest people ever, and he got scammed. So we won't even talk about the amount of money he got scammed for, and he's such an incredible, wonderful person. He's just misinformed. Most people are misinformed, and a lot of it is because they the, the shitcoins have the ability with their funding to mass propagandize the world with it, and we are the marketing team for Bitcoin. Like, so it's, it's up to all of us to help the people out and that they want the right thing. They just haven't been taught the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the way to win this war against the shit coins is you actually have to make it sexy to shit on shit coins. So I, I'm just like, I'm a, I'm a firm proponent of like, if you want to stop the shit coinery, you got to make it sexy to be only Bitcoin and you got to make it sexy to make fun of shit coin losers. <laughs> <laughs> love it zach i'm gonna to toss it to you last uh final thoughts recommendations all yours thanks ben yeah well i'll just take this moment to kind of reiterate my point i mean you know if if you're watching this and you're you're part of gen z 
uh, I highly encourage you to to do your own research and and study Bitcoin and and learn how it can it can not only just help help you but uh, also help society and and help us address these global challenges that we're facing and and build a a brighter future for ourselves. You know, there's there's a there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, in terms of recommendations, um, I think if you're into reading, the Bitcoin Standard is uh, a go-to place to start. One of my favorite Bitcoin books. Uh, if you're more into podcasts, I mean, BTC Sessions right here, great podcast, uh, great tutorials, but also what Bitcoin did is is one of my all-time favorites. Um, yeah, but thank you so much for having us on the show, Ben. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, uh, thank you so much all for being here. Nice. <laughs> yes, I like the uh, <laughs> that's a Madex original, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Back in the day, the Ethereum spelled with an I with two turd emojis making the logo. Amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, so, guys, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time. I appreciate all of your uh, you know, contributions to the space and to the show itself. And um, of course, you're all welcome back anytime. So have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you guys. Cheers, guys. Thank I'll you, see you later. Thanks, Ben. All right. Awesome. And everybody, thank you so much for joining in and watching the show. Uh, again, all of these guys, uh, their handles are in the show notes down below. So make sure you give them a follow and check out what they're doing uh, through their Twitter handles, and then uh, you'll be able to find them on. Uh, I think all these guys are on Noster as well. I'm not sure if Zach is. I got to make sure I'm following him if he is. Anyways, uh, yeah, check them all out. Links are in the show notes. Um, of course, if you want to help the show in another way, you can always hit up the previously mentioned sponsors, Hoddle Hoddle, CoinKite, Cedar, Nunchucks, Start9. They're all down below. Uh, you can also, of course, smash that like button just below the screen. That helps a ton. Uh, give the episode a share if you enjoyed it as well on whatever social media platforms you're on. Uh, and then finally, if you really liked what you saw, uh, there is a QR code on the screen that takes you right to my website. Um, if you need some additional help uh, navigating your Bitcoin journey, whether it be with wallets or hardware or lightning or privacy or nodes or whatever it may be, uh, you can scan that right there and uh, you can book me for one-on-one -on -one sessions. Of course, all of the information is free on YouTube as well. So you can watch free tutorials to your little heart's content. But if you need some additional handholding, that QR code will lead you to the spot to get it. Anyways, guys, with that, I am out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening wherever you may be. And I'll see you guys next time for your daily session. Bitcoin.